0: All the second stage tanks now pressurized. Thirty-five seconds and counting. We are still going
1: welcome Welcome. Welcome. to Lickin on Lending.
0: Are we beginning to see the formation of a fundamental shift in the American dream of home ownership? A weekly mortgage market update. 20 seconds and Providing up to the minute information the of Chinese investors in the real estate market. And they're really starting to have an impact, but it's only on
2: interest in- rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Seconds. Guidance
0: is
3: internal. If you look
0: at it on a dollar value, it's significant. If you look at it on a unit basis, it's inconsequential to the overall big market. To participate.
2: In today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972.
0: Here's the deal. How much of the market, real estate market, is comprised of this type of property?
3: 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition
0: sequence start. And Six, now, here's five, your host of Licken on Lending, three, two.
2: David Licken.
0: So good to have you with us, everybody. So tell me what you think of that new intro. Andy Alvey is back at his working his magic. He put that together just in a short amount of time, and he sent that to me uh, the other day, and I go on. I loved it. It's so good. Anyway, it's good to have you tuned in with us, everybody. It is, ah, oh, I was going to start to say August. It's September. Comes out like a hairball. Man, you can't get past this advancing calendar. How fast it does happen. September 18th, 2017. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals and it is for mortgage professionals. And we are grateful to have you as our listeners. So good to have you here, everybody. There's so much going on in the marketplace and we are excited to have you here and allowing us to help you keep on top of all that's going on. There is a lot going on, and it's exciting. So, folks, we're going to be having on to Hot Topic segment today, Scott Agenbaum, who is from the FBI, who is soon to retire from the FBI. I heard Scott, in fact, Joe and I both heard Scott speak at the recent summer conference for TMC, and TMC is, of course, the mortgage collaborative, a sponsor of the radio program, and we were riveted by what his comments were and how fortuitous it was that he speak there, because it was right after that, or shortly thereafter, that the Equifax breach, and I think I've got the timing on that. We'll find out. Scott will correct it, but it was about that time, the Equifax breach happened that has caused for so much exposure of critical information. Now, you're going to hear Scott, he'll say that was actually a backdoor through some equipment, through some technology, but the amount of phishing schemes that are opening the door for you and your company to be exposed is extraordinary. So we're going to be talking about that in the Hot Topic segment. Scott Augenbaum is going to be with us. He lives in the Nashville area, but he grew up in Brooklyn. So we're going to get it straight, and there's going to be no sugar coating around it. That's only someone from Brooklyn could do. Anyway, we're excited to have you with us. We're excited to have our sponsors, ArchMI, the creator of the new innovative rates, our program, Motivity Solutions, Real-Time Reporting and Dashboard Scorecards, as well as Velma, the efficient mortgage marketing and email platform, Simplify the real-time electronic communications exchange and the mortgage collaborative power of the network, and of course, Finastra, who is with us, has been with us for a long time, as is RTMI. They're the third largest fintech company in the world, with 10,000 employees in 42 countries, 9,000 companies being served worldwide, and of course, we have here with us today Alice, Andy, Joe, and Sam for their contributions, we thank them for their contributions to the program. So let's see here, lots of stuff coming up, but uh, we're close to the NBA, we work closely with the NBA, and we're always pleased. And I've been talking to them about creating a Mortgage Minute, so I got Rob Van Horst to create a Mortgage Minute, so about the conferences. So here's Rob with his quick minute.
4: Hi, I'm Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. This week, NBA released a white paper, CFPB 2.0, Advancing Consumer protection. It discusses how the CFPB can clarify regulations to benefit both mortgage lenders and consumers. MBA Research also released three surveys. MBA's weekly application survey, which showed that mortgage apps increased 9.9%. MBA's monthly mortgage credit availability index, which showed that mortgage credit availability increased slightly in August. And MBA's builder application survey data for August, which showed mortgage apps for new home purchases increased 6.8% compared to August 2016. NBA is also looking forward to hosting two upcoming conferences: our Risk Management Q&A Fraud Prevention Forum, September 24th through the 26th in Miami, and our annual convention and expo, October 22nd through the 25th in Denver, Colorado. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: Thank you, Rob. Appreciate that update. It's good. Also coming up is I will be speaking at the ABA Annual Conference with Finastra, October 15th through the 21st, just before the annual as well as November 1st through the 3rd with the Risk and Compliance Summit in San Francisco. I'll be speaking there. My talk is about developing a compliant social media strategy. Very important. As we see, it's more and more companies turning to social media for marketing. Then also November 15th and 16th, I'll be the keynote speaker at MGIC's Focus 2017 in Nashville.
5: There you go. Got
0: that all lined up, and it's so excited to... Have everybody here with us. Of course, you can go over to our website. We'll be updating the conference schedule, my speaking schedule, and you can head over to Sam Garcia's Mortgage Daily website. He's got every conference known to man on that thing. Man, it's just a huge list. I don't know how he stays up on it. But it's good to have you with us, everybody. So excited for what we've got coming up. Les Parker of Logics gives us a macro view of the market. So we're going to start with that and then get over to Joe Farr. So Les Parker, what you got for us, friend?
1: Great to be on your show, Dave. Lone Logic sponsors Market Logics Live. Don't tell us gross, not worth trying for. Gov can't tell us it's not worth dealing for. They know it's true. Everything they do, they do with no clue. The declining U.S. growth prospect leads to lower yields in the coupon curve. Monetary policy has little uncertainty, hence U.S. fiscal policy takes center stage. Uninspiring inflation momentum continues to fall, while underperforming U.S. GDP is hopelessly struggling to reach an annual 3% growth rate. Currently, the market is concerned about three elements affecting growth. U.S. fiscal policy, declining inflation in advanced economies, and potential economic drag from global political events. These views are my own. Go to loanlogix.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter.
2: You know it's true. <laughs> Everything
0: I, do. I chuckle every time I listen you know to his commentary. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do it for you. Joe, good to have you on the program. I've got your website up here. Love it. It's concise. Got the information I need. I love it. MBS quote line, Joe Farr, what do you see in the markets today, my friend?
3: Well, today we're down 430 seconds, and we're following a trend from last week where it was a risk-on week. I was just looking back. MBS prices have fallen seven days in a row now, and you'll see a similar reaction in the stock market but to the upside. So we're seeing a reversal of some risk-on off-trades that had occurred, uh, you know, especially in the advance of the hurricanes, but probably more so as it related to the tensions increasing with North Korea. So today's just a continuation of what was going on last week. Today's data, the National Home Builders Association Housing Confidence Index came in, and it was a little below expectations, but really had no effect on mortgage rates. You know, speaking about this trend, it began – principally, it began last Monday when the market reversed about 630 seconds in price on Monday alone – And it had to do with the fact that the missile tests, there weren't any missile tests in North Korea. The the last weekend was North Korea's celebration of the 69th anniversary of the formation of their government. There was concern in the marketplace that they would commemorate that with a show of force or show of power, and and they didn't do anything like that. And so when the markets opened up on Monday, we saw a reversal of a flight to safety that had preceded that. And then also there was uh, the Hurricane Irma Uh, although it was devastating, as we all know, was not quite as bad as expected. And so the market reacted favorably to that. Surprisingly, going back to North Korea, the missile test that they thought was going to happen on the weekend happened on Friday. And even though it happened, there was not the previous reaction to it. Surprisingly, the markets kind of ignored the fact that there was a a missile launch on Friday. So it's it's hard to know how much to... Uh, you know, are we immune already to you know a missile test by North Korea? I would hope not, but it sure seems that way. The risk on trade last week happened in spite of very bond-friendly economic data. When you look back at all the events that were announced last week, starting with inflation, both CPI and PPI came in at or below expectations. Retail sales came in lower than expected by a lot, but most of that was due to auto. So even when you when you take out the ex-auto Or when you look at X-Auto, it fell a little bit, and the hurricanes are blamed on some of that. We'll see a much bigger effect in the August numbers that come out. But the X-Auto was still below expectations. Industrial production came in below expectations, and it was definitely due to uh, Hurricane Harvey and its impact uh, on the Gulf Coast region. And then looking at this week, Dave, all the focus is going to be on the Fed meeting this week on Wednesday with a statement due out at 2 Eastern time and a press conference to follow at 2.30. The market seems to be pretty certain that there'll be no change in interest rates, and they're also pretty certain that there'll be an announcement about the beginning of the reduction of the balance sheet. That's likely to follow along their previous guidelines, but the previous guidelines have not said when they'll start. So will they start in October? Some people think so. Some people might think they might delay until December. I don't think whatever they do there, or January even, whatever they do there shouldn't have a big impact on the long-term mortgage rates just because it is kind of insignificant that it begin one, you know, next month or two or three months down the road. They are expected to follow their guidance which was to begin at a 4 billion per month reduction and just to give you a sense of uh, of impact uh, right now the the fed or the last couple months the fed has bought between 25 and 30 billion dollars a month to replace what had run off so 4 billion is a pretty small percentage of that because the market has been told what to expect and how to expect it to be implemented right. and how long it'll take and all that shouldn't be a big reaction to whatever they say there about the balance sheet policy what could move the market though is whatever they have to say about the economy and the guidance on future Fed rate increases. The economic data that come out next week is likely to not have, this week, is likely to not have a mortgage rates. Housing data comes out tomorrow, the housing starts, and then on Wednesday, the existing home sales comes out. But because the focus is going to be on the Fed and because these numbers are going to have some hurricane effect in them, Probably not so much as the others because they are regional numbers that you can kind of dismiss the, the region that included the hurricanes. But, again, the focus is all going to be on the Fed.
0: Most interesting times we are living in. Good to have you here, Joe. I love your update. I love your website. Again, like, it's kind of like your personality. You're really friendly. It's a friendly website. But it's really right to the point quick information of exactly what's going on as you see with one glance you can log in with your mobile device your ipad whatever your mobile device is or you can log in and i keep your website up so much of the day it's just solid folks if you're not signed up for mbs quote line get it now joe you are offering if i understand correctly you are offering a free trial period correct
3: you bet take a look
0: take a look folks we're going to be right back with a word from velma our sponsor we're going to be back with alice alvey imagine that Are you using one of those expensive CRMs that your loan officers won't use? If so, then give my friends at Velma a call and let them help you create a customer journey that relies on the data and not on loan officer interaction. I encourage you to consider working with Velma to create a truly automated marketing experience for your organization. Velma makes marketing automation easy. Schedule a demo today at Velma.com. V E L M A.com. Yes. Belm is a great place to go when you're working and trying to get your word out. I use it for our radio program. I encourage it so much. Also, another sponsor that we have of the program is the Mortgage Collaborative. And I want to make sure that you hear this and consider signing up for it. We have a reception coming up at the annual conference that you can attend. You'll be able to do that. So if you're not a member, you want to check it out at the annual conference in Denver, You can contact me. I'll make sure you get an invitation. So let's hear a word from our sponsor, TMC. The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Swarbinski at 440
1: The power of the network.
0: So true, the power of the network. And speaking of good networking, get to know Alice Alvey. Alice, good to have you on the program.
6: How you doing? I'm well, thanks, Dave. You sound great today. And uh, love cannot wait to hear about the information security because that is such a hot topic that everyone kind of how did I end up in the technology business right and info security I'm just trying to do mortgages but we hold so (laughs) much confidential information all day it's a I'm glad we're having him on the show today. But
0: I'm also glad to have you on because you provide our listeners so much information. Again, Alice Alvia is vice president. She's a CMB, very important designation, not a, not a master CMB, and she is vice president of education and training at Union Home Mortgage. Our good friend Bill Cosgrove and Company got a legislative update. So what is on the calendar? What are you looking at?
6: Well, a couple things. So first of all, we do have a proposed rule that's still out there, I think everybody over summer including congress kind of took a break on new legislation just want to remind everybody that we still have a proposed rule out there from the cfpb that is designed to update the integrated disclosure rule to close the gap and the problems that now occur in the current wording that require a final cd if there's a change in circumstance the final cd must go out four days ahead of closing if it's redisclosing and setting tolerances And this proposed proposal, we still have the time to comment. This is open until October 10th. So far, only 16 posts and comments have been placed for this. And 8 out of the 16 are from People's Mortgage. So kudos to People's Mortgage. For their people getting yeah. online and posting a comment <laughs> saying, yeah, yeah. for this, let's put it maybe it's because as an industry people are going, Oh yeah, this is common sense, it's just for clarification. But we need to make see if PB gets this right. We need to help them with exactly how this should work. One of the posts come from a dear friend of mine, Teresa Thurman. She actually wrote it very well to say, keep it simple. Just be straightforward that any CD can go out and re- once you issue the initial CD, any CD after that point that's uh, a redisclosure, just keep it simple. Yes, it can go out. Yes, you redo the CD and just get it out, you know, a day ahead of closing and get rid of all the four-day references. I think CFPB spends so much time trying to close gaps on scammers that they just leave gaps for the rest of us. So Teresa Furman did her <laughs> post. She worded it very well. She's probably she probably came out here. <laughs> she was a great, great uh, instructor. And if you're looking for what to say, As far as other things pending. So by the way, that you have till October 10th to get those posts. Just go to the CFPB website. It's very simple now to post your comments. The other things that we are watching. The CFPB supervisory highlights came out. You know, they're bragging about getting 14 million to more than 100,000 consumers throughout the first part of this year. For me, <laughs> I like to see, those and see where did they pick on mortgage companies. A lot of what they picked on was other industries like banks and credit cards, but certainly they do pick on servicers. So <laughs> They I think didn't ignore us. To, yeah. <laughs> as all of you, <laughs> you need to be very aware as you implement your hurricane procedures, making sure you're following things correctly, you're doing things in the best interest of the borrower, and you're documenting What's going on? There is a lot of misconception out there. Customers don't understand what forbearance means. They think it means forgiven, um, and that's not the case. So uh, (laughs) there's a lot of misinformation. Funny, that's Uh, funny. So make sure you pack all of your (laughs) gray. It doesn't mean we're forgiving you your payments or that you could uh, forget about making them ever. So make sure that you have phrasing from your – even the or stuff that's gone out, I kind of cringe because I think it's non-consumer friendly. It lacks clarity. So I think everybody needs to take a real hard look and customize the message going to your consumers so that they're clear, especially as CFTB continues to focus in on servicing. So those are my big talking points for now. No movement <laughs> legislation, No movement on transitional licensing yet. We will continue to watch that for you. Keep it report.
0: posted. Yes, good. I'm chuckling out because one one of our listeners just texted me and says, now I understand what my wife has been giving me. She's been giving me forbearance and I mistook it <laughs> for forgiveness. <laughs> I burst out laughing when I'm reading this. That is hilarious. We've got some great listeners. We appreciate it. If you want to text me your comments, go ahead, 512-632-2900. That's hilarious. Now I know what my wife. <laughs> me, I thought it was, <laughs> oh, gosh, that's hilarious. Anyway, Alice, so good. Now, if you want to get a lot of Alice's comments, some people say, i got to go back and down the whole program or listen to it all the way through and fast forward to get Alice's. Well, that's the way it was today. We have now launched our new website. So Alice has her own page, as does Joe, as does Andy, as does Sam, as do all the contributors, and as is our Hot Topic segment. You can go to our website, look at And you can go to Alice, click on Alice's picture, and it'll take you to her page. You can see every single segment she's done. We break it out and put it in there. So if you want a quick download of all of Alice's comments or Andy's or Joe's, that's where you go. Good job, Alice. Appreciate you so much for the update. I'm still chuckling over that. That that is hysteric. That line. That's a great one. Hi, guys. was me. Perfectly clear, honey. You are not forgiven, but I'm giving you for forbearance. Okay, folks, we're going to be right back after an ad break with David Boland. Hey, okay, thanks a lot,
4: David. Finastra is extremely proud to be a key sponsor of the Licking on Lending program. Known formerly as DNH, Finastra's global lending division provides end-to-end solutions and innovation to the full spectrum of lenders, including independent mortgage bankers, community banks and credit unions, and even the largest banks globally. Learn more about how you provide an innovative digital experience for your borrowers by leveraging our multi-channel point-of-sale solution, which includes the new MortgageBot mobile, by visiting our website at finastra.com.
0: So true. Give it a try. Finastra, a great tool. And then also Simplify and their ability to communicate with consumers. Listen to this.
3: Simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging, allowing you to track changes, send, receive, and validate documents, as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to Simplifile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657.
0: And now we've got our good Sam Garcia of Mortgage Daily. Check it out, MortgageDaily.com, and you can reach him at 214-521-1300. Sam, good to have you here. And I saw that you had published an article that's down the lines of our hot topics. So give us an update and love to hear more a little bit about that article. Call attention to it so people know where to go read it.
1: Sure, sure. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Anyway, we've got some good headlines from this past week. I just I'm able to touch on just a few of them because I don't want to take up your whole show here. But probably one of the biggest stories of the last week, I think, was that Brian Montgomery was nominated yeah. by President Trump to be the new FHA or Federal Housing Commissioner, that person who basically runs FHA. And of course, you we almost had him on the show last week to talk about September. Yeah. That, but uh, anyway, so, you know, with Montgomery, he was commissioner already in the George W. Bush administration. That was interesting. Anyway, um, Fannie Mae nudged up the forecast and, and its mortgage finance forecast for September. Fannie says, refinances uh, are going to fall from $601 $601 billion this year to $415 billion in 2018. But despite that expected decline, that was more than it had predicted in August when it said that refinance production would fall from $586 billion this year to $405 billion. So a better outlook for refinances this year as we see rates yet to climb. Um, and then the Mortgage Bankers Association did pretty much the same thing. They basically raised their forecast for refinances during the second half of this year. Two sources, very respected, obviously, seeing refinances playing a bigger role in this year's uh, activity. FHFA reported that fewer than 110,000 Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans were refinanced during July. That turned out to be the slowest month since May two thousand fourteen. HARP volume was just twenty three hundred and five units during the most recent month, and that was the lowest number recorded since HARP was you know, has been reported way back starting in April two thousand nine. Freddie Mac issued Bulletin two. last week, (laughs) indicating that it had relaxed requirements for appraisals, condominiums, and jumbo mortgages. Uh, You can read our story on that for more details, or or go to Freddie and find their uh, bulletin for all the details. Over at Fannie Mae, it announced that it sold... $2.43 2.43 billion in reperforming loans from its 246 billion dollar investment portfolio and the buyer in that transaction was an affiliate of Goldman Sachs which has actually bought a number of portfolios from the GICs uh, over the last couple of years. Our mortgage market index, which is an indication of upcoming originations based on open close rate lock volume, it jumped 8% last week. But since we don't use you know, seasonal adjustments, that increase was no big deal, given that the prior week was the Labor Day holiday. The index was down 14% from a year ago, which is you know more of a better indicator year over year. And then what was one interesting metric we got from the report was arm share jumped to 14.6%. That's the most it's been since January of last year. So as rates are starting to edge up, of course, people shift over to arms to grab what they can as far as low rates go. The Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against a former subprime trader at Deutsche Bank who allegedly deceived investors on more than a billion dollars in residential mortgage wow. securities. Yeah, um, which was, it, was interesting. In time. You would think that all that's behind us, but I guess there's still activity going on out there. RPM Mortgage announced last week that it hired a guy named Ben Anderson Anderson is a loan originator who reportedly closed 242 million last year while he worked at guaranteed rate and since 2010 he's reportedly originated 1.4 billion dollars so RPM says Anderson is the biggest originator in Orange County. And then back over at Guaranteed Rate, they announced that they're hiring 100 people in California new loan originators. No experience needed. They take you through the training, and those are in Orange County also. Jenny May, they wrote a letter to Senator Warren responding to a letter she wrote to them about the churning of VA loans. Apparently, some lenders are rapidly refinancing these loans over and over. And what they're concerned about is these you know, these, uh, refinances cost veterans unnecessary Fees and leave them with higher loan balances, and uh, it hurts the value of Ginny May Securities. So, Ginny said it changed program rules late last year to reduce the churning. And while some lenders, many lenders, stopped the churning, Ginny said some lenders have actively worked to evade those new rules by changing their hmm. tactics to continue questionable lending practices. So in its letter to Warren, Jenny noted that it has formed a lender abuse task force with a VA to continue and intensify its work on the issue. So that's kind of a uh, interesting story there, and we'll see where they go with that. And then, yeah, you talked about a story that we had covered recently. Actually, it was a uh, one we covered a couple of years ago, but it was right up the alley of what he's going to talk about. Did you want me to talk about it now? Yeah, go ahead. Kick it in right now and then looking at the clock, but don't no, get it introduced now so that he- he can be chewing on it. Well, um, you know, it's very common for mortgage companies to call borrowers about issues related to their home loans. And usually the company will, you know, first ask the the borrower for personal information to confirm they have the right borrower. That might include their birthday, their home address, or some portion of a social security number. What they say that's for, of course, is to make sure they don't give anybody else the information that's private. And often the company's name will show up on the caller ID. Sometimes it's just a toll-free number that that shows up. But Despite the comfort of seeing the firm's name show up on the caller ID, it is possible that the caller could be spoofing the borrower. Uh, They utilize this software that manipulates the caller ID function. This was the case actually with Karen Elaine Hanover she was arrested in 2011 according to the Department of Justice for allegedly spoofing tech using spoofing technology to impersonate FBI agents with you know um, borrowers and or, I mean, with the various people so she could take advantage of that and you know by using that technology the same thing could happen to borrowers I mean how do you know that that's your lender calling in
0: we you got to talk to Scott about that when he comes on that's interesting I'll leave your mic on and you can interject some questions questions in there if we have time Good stuff. Really good stuff. Appreciate it. Thank you. But anyway, I want to talk about Jim Jump. I talked to Jim Jump is head of marketing at ArchMI and had a great conversation with him this week. He uploaded a uh, audio file, and it got slightly corrupted, so I'm going to just talk about Arch instead of playing their ad. So here's the deal about Arch. Arch is doing a great job leading the market. We all know about the RateStar program, and what's surprising to me is the number of people that are not using it or not even trying. And so when you're looking at this in this competitive market with interest rates that you heard Joe talk about going up, you've got to look at every advantage you have for dealing with increasing rates. So I encourage you to go out and get signed up with RateStar and do that. So, Jim, I hope that worked as best as your ad. And with that, we're going to head over to the Profit Doctor. Andy Shell, good to have you with us, friend.
2: Hello, Dave Lickens. Great to be here as always.
0: So I know you're interested here, Scott, because you work a lot in the technology area, you and Teresa do. Uh, So very, very excited to get your comments. So what you got for us real quickly before we run over to Scott?
2: Well, I definitely want to hear what Scott has to say more than what I have to say about it. Some of the things that he's going to say, I don't particularly like it. It's a hassle, but you can either be hassled (laughs) or robbed. So which do you want? Um, (laughs) Exactly right. That's a great phrase. Yeah, that's Um, good. Well, Dave, we've got – Well, first off, it's the 18th of the month, so everybody should have their financial reports for August. We should know how much we made in August, how many loans we closed, how much we made per loan, how much we made per originator, and how much we made per branch we're forecasting through to march at this point because we want to watch our cash flow for the next seven months to make sure we got everything under hand as volume starts to decline as we go through the cyclicality of mortgage lending without a refi wave likely so we got to have all that stuff ready so if you don't have that on your desk i'd ask my accounting department why not and what do i got to do to get it because you got to have it and to help with some of that, we're launching our webinar series through the MBA Education Group starting in two weeks. So go to MBA.org, go to Education, look for Accounting Webinars. There's a four-series accounting webinar that we start in two weeks, and it goes from basic accounting through the most advanced topics in mortgage banking, which we're going to be discussing during the webinar, and I'm going to be speaking at the accounting Oh, uh, down in San Antonio. San Antonio. I'm going to be on a panel yeah. talking about interest rate lock, commitment, unrealized gain. It's like one of those snoring topics, you know, nobody cares. Oh. About
0: <laughs> so do they give you a card table and a few chairs around that for that topic, or do they actually <laughs> give you a full <laughs> I'm teasing you because you're such a good speaker. I'm encouraging people. I bet that room will be filled up, even though it's a boring topic. (laughs) We need to
2: cattle prod or electrify all the seats to wake people up. No, It's it's a good panel. There's a panel of four CPAs, one of them. I'm only actually, the only one that's also a, also a C-E-M-B, so I bring both the industry and the accounting requirements, so that's why I represent the CFOs. But it'll be a great topic. It'll be a really interesting topic, and it'll be fun.
0: Good stuff. I appreciate it. Can't wait to have you on the discussion with Scott. Thank you so much, Andy, for your contribution to the program. And, again, you can click on Andy's picture on our website and pick up all of Andy's commentary that's all stacked up in there. Folks, we're going to be right back with Scott Augenbaum of, of the MPI. I was, thinking, I was asking him earlier, about. he's from Jersey. He says, wait a minute, I'm from Brooklyn. That's almost an insult. So anyway, we're looking forward to having him on here in just a minute, everybody, after this brief break from John Maynell with the KPI of the Week.
5: Thanks very much Dave, always great to be here. And this week's key performance indicator focuses on one of Alice's favorite topics, namely the underwriting process. And the KPI is submitted to initial decision. This is generally measured in hours and you can either use this to measure an entire department's average turn time or even individual underwriters. Very effective if you're using balanced multi-metric scorecards to fine-tune the behaviors of individual staff members. This measurement can also guide an organization to areas upstream from underwriting that contribute to this initial cycle time, like processing, setup, or even sales, to help ensure that people in those areas produce complete and accurate files that make the absolute best use of the underwriter's time. So the broad scope makes this a very powerful metric and shows yet again that what gets measured gets results. And with that, Dave, I will thank you again and turn it back to you.
0: So good to have you with us, everybody, and we appreciate all of our sponsors, including adding Black Knight to our lineup, and of course, they own Motivity, so we have both of them in the the house, so glad to have you here with us. Well, at the TMC, the Mortgage Collaborative Summer Conference here in Nashville, we had a guest that got our attention so quickly, and he is our special guest today, Scott Augenbaum, He is originally from Brooklyn, and he is with the FBI, soon to be retiring, and he has a promising career in cybercrime as a result of all that's going on right now. So after joining the FBI in New York field office in 1988 as a support employee, he became a special agent in 1994 and was assigned to the Syracuse, New York office. He worked on domestic terror violence. I can't imagine that. It's in white collar and hate crimes. Uh, That part of his career, I mean, I don't even, it's like, I I don't know how some Deals with some of that stuff, but he moved over into another interesting side of it. Uh, he worked in cyber crime in Washington, D.C., and the Cyber Crime Fraud Unit, and was responsible for managing FBI Director's Cyber Task Force program and intellectual property rights program. In 2006, he was transferred to Nashville. I have to tease him. Scott, did you tick someone off there at Washington, D.C. to send you out? Anyway, we're glad to have you. I could read the rest of your background. It's distinguished. Go out to LinkedIn. Check out his background. But it's really good to have Scott here with us. And I better turn on his microphone. Scott, good to have you joining us today, my friend. Hey, great.
7: Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate you having me on today. And I just want to share with you and your listeners some of the things that have been going on out in the world of cybercrime.
0: Yeah, especially with the recent breach of what happened At Equifax. Now you would think a credit company has got to have some of the best security, the best minds working at cybercrime, and a lot of people are wondering how did that happen. So I asked you about that, getting you ready for the program here. So let's start there. How did that happen?
7: Well, you know, Dave, a lot of times that's all we're really hearing. You know, we're hearing about the big breaches, and they had. Some uh, what it appears to be is uh, application that was facing outward that wasn't patched. And unfortunately, that happens so often in a lot of big companies. But a lot of things that we don't hear about is we don't hear about what's going on to the small companies, the homeowners, the nonprofit organizations. And I'm just going to describe to you what is today's data breach of 2017 just happened the other day. I get a call and you know we have a small let's even call it a small finance company. Two thousand clients. The CEO receives an email from somebody he knows and somebody he trusts. And he gets an email and it says, Hey, I have this really important document I need you to look at. It's a docusign contract. Dave, you guys use DocuSign contracts, right? Yes, we do. We do. Okay, so you get an email from somebody you know, somebody you trust. But a lot of times I get out, I tell people, if you're getting something that you're not expecting, send an email back, ask them if they meant to do that. And he sends an email back, and the person goes, yes, very, very important. The next thing that happens, he he opens up the PDF file, he sees the DocuSign, but it's really an HTML file, which is a web-based file, and it says, "In order for you to read this document, you need to enter in your Microsoft Outlook credentials." Do you need to en- do you need to enter in your credentials to open up this document? No,
0: no, no, but no. Does, but
7: does every organization? Is every mortgage company, are we teaching our employees to do that? Are there policies that we need to do that? Is that part of the business process? So he enters in his credentials, and all of a sudden, you know, username, password, and boom. When he fills out that form, the username and password goes overseas to the bad guy who's sitting in West Africa. And now he gets access to the email. Now, a lot of people used to say, so what, he got access to the email. But when you get access to a Microsoft 365 email, what is attached to that email?
0: That it's exactly your OneDrive, exactly right. That's one of the things most of us use at Microsoft, and so once you have stuff, a lot of people stored stuff in there. And so play that scenario out the rest of the way because this is what this was an interesting case because okay. it came from so someone he knew. Yeah, but let's just stop and think about this.
7: For you guys, and and you know, and for us in New York, you guys is a term of endearment
0: for you guys. Uh, <laughs> You guys, yeah. Does
7: anyone here keep anything sensitive in their OneDrive? And the answer is, of course. So they got into his sensitive information, and then from there they sent out that same email to everyone in his address book. Now let's picture this with your mortgage companies and your clients. What happens when your clients receive that same email from you going out? Well, they know not to put in their credentials. And at that point in time, you have just almost infected all of them. And towards the end, we're going to talk about how simple that is to prevent that from happening. Email is, I hate to say.
0: Yeah, and I want to talk about why this is happening on such a regular basis. What it, it just seems like it's gone. First of all, I fell for that very scheme, that very scam scheme phishing scheme i fell for it and it wasn't until i entered in the my information the first time and they didn't take it so i tried you because know, what they do is they say didn't accept to try another password and i only did it once and the second time i go oh this is a phishing scheme i shouldn't have known this i was on a call but because it came from someone i trusted i did that well I hung up the call, and I shut down my computer. I thought that was going to, no, that's not going to do it. So I logged in and changed all my passwords, I mean, across everything. I spent the next day and a half changing up passwords. Now, I did most of the mission-critical ones within a few minutes, but the reality is most people don't realize it's happened until it is too late. So let's go to the question is, why is this happening at such an accelerated rate? Well, it's just kind of like the old bank robber, Willie
7: Sutton. <laughs> he robbed the bank, and they stuck the microphone <laughs> in his face, and they said, Willie, why'd you rob the bank? That's where <laughs> the money is. Today, yep. this is where the money is. The money is online, and since a lot of us really we we're, we're, we do everything like that, So that is what we see, and that's called the business email compromise. And the bad guys are really going out there impersonating emails. They're asking us to wire transfer money. They're trying to get into our business processes. So there's two things we got to remember. We need to think before we click, and we need to think before we act, because the bad guys are going to find out who you are in business with. They're going to look at the LinkedIn accounts. They're going to do the business intelligence. They're going to see who attended the last conference, and then they're going to go out there, and they're going to send an email going like this. Hey, Scott spoke at the Mortgage Collaborative. Here's the PowerPoint. Hey, it's mm. coming from somebody you know. That is why two-factor authentication, which yep, is something yep. else the It's a password will prevent organizations from almost 85 to 90 percent of the bad things that I deal with on a regular basis could have been prevented. Equifax, totally different story, but the thing that I see could be prevented
0: yeah and then you see so much so let 's talk about some of the bad guys. who are these guys, and how does it? because when we you were sharing this with me after we spoke after you spoke, and then again on several calls we 've had, it was really interesting about how this information gets transferred around and used and If you could talk just briefly about that and so we know who the bad guy is, but I want to spend most, and then after that, I want to spend the rest of the program talking about. Who's the target? What should we be watching out and what are the preventive things we can do? So let's go. Who are these bad guys? Start there.
7: Let me tell you who I don't see the bad guys being people in the U S when I started as an FBI agent in 1995, if you would ask me to describe my job, I would say there were bad people in my geographical area. And my job was to work with state and local cops and put them in jail today. Through cybercrime, there are no boundaries in cyberspace. We're dealing right. with the West Africans. We're dealing with the Chinese. I, don't, I know you guys might find this hard to believe, but there's rumors <laughs> that even the Russians have been hacking us. <laughs> I've been talking about Very that since 2000 and 2008. In a lot of these countries, we don't have the treaties and stuff to put them in jail. So the question we have to ask now is if 90% of what I deal with could have been prevented by things that are simple and easy to do, how come we're not doing it? And why are we spending more money on information security than any time in history? But the breaches keep getting bigger. They're happening more often, and it's going to get worse until we start really taking the steps to keep ourselves safe.
0: So I think that what's amazing to me is our industry has not been targeted more before this. But it's, been, it's like it's, it's, it's been discovered, and we are getting hit. If you could give us real quickly some examples how money has gotten wired by an unsuspecting borrower is one thing. So we need to educate our borrowers. We need to educate our people, our own staff about that. But give us one of those stories. And I believe you talked about it happening with an escrow agent, and you also talked to realtors about this. Sure, absolutely.
7: We have a realtor. She doesn't have keep her email safe. Bad guys get into her real her email. They read all the emails. They see everyone she's talking up to. They see that there's a closing coming up. So they go out and they register a look-alike email that looks just like the realtor. They send it to the title the title insurance the title company. Usually during and the title company. How many mortgages are they closing at any one given time? And Dave.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, how many? It could be. It depends on the size of the company, but four or five a day,
7: more. Yeah, or even even larger than that. So all of a sudden, the title the title company, gets an email from the real estate agent and says, hey, I just want to let you know my client changed their mind. They're not using Chase. They're using Wells Fargo. And nine times out of ten, they're going to direct the money to go in that one specific area. I have seen dozens of situations like that. And when I go over and I talk to these companies, they say, Scott, what can we buy to prevent this from happening? And when I go over and I talk at the community college I asked the students, and I said, how could this be prevented without spending a dime? And they look at me like I'm crazy, and they go, what do you mean? How come they just don't pick up the phone and talk to each other? We need to have business processes in place when we're – that is – so absolutely important. I have seen the largest one where it has been directed, where all of a sudden they get in, and this happens with very large companies. They get in, they fig, they send an email to the controller. It comes from the CFO, and it says, hey, I need you to pay this bill. It's in the amount of $5 million. Sometimes they get in the email, and they see that the head of the organization routinely tasks, people to make wire transfers, and then they just direct it. The phone rings every single day in my life with additional victims, and almost all of them could have been prevented.
0: You are seeing it. These aren't stories you're making up just because you're starting a consulting business. We want to hear about that so people can get a hold of you because you know what you're talking about. So I'm going to turn the mic over to Alice, Andy, Joe, real quickly, and then we're going to get to what you can do, some simple steps to doing that, and so let's start off with Alice. You're the trainer. I know you probably already got some notes made, Alice, because you're going to be doing some more training in this area. So let's
1: go over to you.
6: Well, uh, thank you so much. Your insight is tremendous, and I love. I know when you get to the solutions, talk more about the importance of the two-factor authentication because you you mentioned that might solve 85% of the problems in the email world. So, But how do we stay ahead of it? Because we noticed even with the DocuSign, right, uh, the ink wasn't even dry. Of course, it was e-learning, but you get my point, on the e-learning. And we found that our samples for the DocuSign, you know, the first ones, here were the clues. Here are the eight things you should have picked up in this email that were mistakes. And then, you know, the following week, the DocuSign email is now perfected a little bit, right? So the scammers, I call them, are always perfecting, and cleaning okay. things up. So it is very <clears throat> difficult to stay ahead of, of all of them. So I think we've got the docu sign down. I'd love your insight as to how do we try and stay ahead of this or are we always in defense?
7: Unfortunately, we're always in defense. We're not dealing with the teenage hackers anymore. That one scam, $5 billion, we're dealing with professionals. And if you don't know to think about this, now you talked about you're providing training to your employees. A majority of the companies that I've dealt with were small, 10 people and less companies. They don't have the ability to have that. So that's why I'm always like email is untrusted. I hate to say that, but we have to slow down the process. We have to go over and say if somebody wants to change an account, they're going to have to wait 48 hours. When We have to know not to provide our credentials into any types of fraud. And there's other ways that we could do that, and I'll send you some, a, ha- a cheat sheet that I've created that you can hand out to your folks.
0: We'll get that uploaded to our website. A link to it, so you can, folks, you can get that on our website. Good question, Alice. Andy.
2: Well, Scott, it's so distressing to hear you today. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, that with the most. Hey, but I, I gave that you that the answer
7: key. I gave you the answers to all. If I'm telling you today what's causing ninety percent of the problems, and I'm giving you the answers, today's the best day. That's yeah. Alert yes, right myself. So. <laughs>
2: So what I, what I was wondering about is MF, MFA, multi-factor authentication, dual, law, dual authentication from logging into various uh, portals. And I know a lot of the credit cards do that now where they send a code to your phone and then you can enter it and you get in. Does that seem to be sufficient to solve some of the hacking risk? Well, I'll put it to you this way. Here's the one thing that all my victims don't have in
7: common. They don't use it. And if they did use it, the bad guys could not have gotten into their email system to direct those types of things. There's a great website out there called Two Factor Auth, A-U-T-H, Two Factor, T-W-O-F-A-C-T-O-R-A-U-T-H. On your email, it's a must. So Outlook and Gmail and iCloud, you need to have it you need to put it onto your social media accounts. Because here's the bad thing. Yahoo gets hacked into. One billion Yahoo users have their credentials stolen. Yahoo tells us all to change that. Now, what percentage of Yahoo users have an iPhone? I say that all the time. People say 50. I say, let's say 10% or even 5%. 5% of a billion is 50 million users. Well, statistics say that 60 to 70% of the population is using the same password for multiple platforms. So the bad guy just steals one password and then logs into all the systems. So we need to have separate passwords from mission-critical platforms, and we need to use two-factor. If you have a Dropbox uh, account and you're putting other people's information into that account, and you don't have two-factor authentication, you're going to have a data breach. It's that simple.
2: Well, that you know the the way that like big banks like Chase or USAA, they uh, when you go to log in, you, they send the text to your phone. You enter the code off your phone, and you're in. It's actually very simple. It's it's not painful at all. So um, maybe <laughs> that's the new way.
0: Well, the only thing I'll jump in on that is I just had one of my staff, she is, works with us, and she and her husband want a trip to Las Vegas, so they're in Las Vegas, and guess what happened? While she was there, her phone got stolen. And that, she said, I couldn't access anything. I said, so it's important to have multiple devices that you can, at least two devices that you can do that with. So, I mean, it's one of those things. Her cell phone got stolen. And she had some critical emails she was trying to get out. And she rarely goes to Las Vegas. So this person came up, was really bubbly and outgoing, engaged her. And while she was looking, the bartender says, yeah, this other guy just swept your phone into uh, uh, off the counter and into your bag and walked off and they were a team and they've been doing that they do it all the time they reported them but by the time they found it it was gone it's too late so this tooth authentication so you have to be careful at various levels but that's really a good point it's just being aware of your surroundings and having multiple devices that they can send it to let's run over to Joe good question Joe what you got here is you're listening to this other than some heartburn
3: yeah really the Google searches what are your thoughts on that I, I searched on one for an answer to a- a question that got me into someplace I'm sure I wasn't supposed to be. How reliable or how how concerned should you be as you search Good. for answers?
7: Well, it's interesting because, the you know, and, and I'm going to be honest, I don't think about that a lot. I mean, if we want to eliminate all risk, we move up to the Arctic and we get ourselves off the internet. (laughs) That's right. And and I'm not (laughs) willing to do that. But, you know, when when you go to those places, sometimes you really have to be careful on where you're going and what you're doing because a lot of times the bad guys will put something up that will... Through search engine optimization which a lot of companies use to market their products the bad guys have also figured out different ways to do it and that's why a lot of times you know what I tell people you want to eliminate all a majority of your risk get a separate computer for your banking and your financial work and your payroll and don't use that computer to surf the internet because almost everything that we deal with right now is either through an email or going to a website that has malicious code. So for the average user here, it's like, get that separate thing, and I tell that so often to businesses, especially that when you're doing your payroll, because this way, have that other computer. If it gets infected, so what? But the one that you need to do your banking and finance, and so many times the companies say to me, I don't wanna do it, it's too hard. And you know what my response is? Okay. I'll give Mm -hmm. you the names of a couple of my friends who are doing intrusion response work, because when the bad guys get your stuff and you call me, the chances of me getting it back are very challenging. The chances of me putting bad guys in jail are even harder. And that depresses a lot of people. But what depresses me is 90 to 90, every bad thing that I touch could have easily been prevented. Let's think about everything I talked about today. How much money does anyone here have to go out and spend to keep themselves safe?
0: Not that much if you do the two-factor authentication.
7: I don't think I talked about going out and
0: spending a dime.
7: You have to do the basics and the fundamentals. If you are not doing the basics and fundamentals, and let me just reiterate what they are, we need to think before we click. We need to become our own human firewall. We need to think before we act, especially when we are going out and we are sending money. We need separate passwords for our mission critical platforms. We do not want the same password for multiple platforms. We need to use the two-factor authentication when it's offered. And the last thing is, is we need to make sure that we have a good backup and restoration in place just in case everything fails and we get ransomware on our system, which encrypts all of our information. And when people call me up every day, I go like this. As long as you have a good backup, you're going to be okay. Those five things will really save you from a majority of the that are targeting the financial services sector.
0: And you have this information in a sheet of paper, which we're going to in a document that we're going to share with our listeners. So if you want to get a hold of it, get a text me five one two six three two two nine zero zero, or you can email me at david at tms-advisors.com. And if you want to get a hold of Scott, he's soon to retire. He's going to have a very promising career in, uh, in cybercrime, helping people stay out of business. And I think you're going to have a, you're going to be one busy guy, uh, Scott, with based on... People not doing the basic things. So you've got a promising career. But how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more and have you come and speak at their association or at their company or consult with them?
7: Well, you know what? And, and one of the things that's important is within your local areas. I mean, we have cyber task forces in all of our 56 field offices throughout the United States. If you have anything, we have a great website. It's at ic3.gov. V, which is to report these types of crimes. We have something called the InfraGuard, which is the public private alliance. I'm retiring in less than four months. And, you know, if you ask, fine, what am I going to do? I teach people how not to be the victim of a cybercrime incident.
0: That's right. You're still with the FBI, so you're going to have to do that. But when he's out, folks, you've got to have him come and speak. He, you do do public speaking, so I know we have another state associations of directors that are listeners of the program.
7: You can reach me over on my LinkedIn account, or if you want to be hooked up with anything, and I can help you find a speaker locally, But there are other FBI agents throughout the country who do the same thing. My email address is name at fbi.gov. And I can put you in touch with, you know, the local FBI agent in your part of the country.
0: Very good. That's Scott, A-U-G-E-N-B-A-U-M at FBI.gov, right?
7: That is correct.
0: And I'll gladly facilitate
7: the introductions to anyone in the country.
0: Thank you so much, Scott, for being here with us today. This is just what, I mean, we just scratched the surface. You talked for over an hour at the TMC, uh, the Mortgage Collaborative Summer Conference event. We were all just amazed. So, folks, I encourage you to get a hold of Scott. Get a hold of us. Download this podcast. Share it with others. So important. Scott, thank you for being here, friend. Appreciate it so much.
7: Thank you, everyone. It was great to be on. I'm honored. Thank you. and humbled.
0: You bet. Next week, we've got Maria, and I'm not going to try to pronounce with the president of NAREP. And she is coming in to talk about the Hispanic market. It's a market you can't ignore, folks. It is a big part of the market. And her last name is spelled Z-Y-W-I-C-I-L-E-L. Excuse me. President of NAREP. I'm looking forward to her. I've heard her speak. We've shared the platform a number of times. Maria will be on next week. So tune in next week. Goodbye, everybody.